No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job continues his reply to Zophar with an expression of overcoming faith. But Job quickly falls back into despondency where he despairs of life. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 13 on Simply the Bible. Like a ray of sunshine on a cloudy day, Job breaks forth in occasional faith and hope despite his general gloominess. We continue in Job chapter 13, verse 14. Why do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Job now embarks on a dangerous discussion with God. He is taking his life into his hands by arguing his case before the Holy One. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Now, this clearly demonstrates Job's remarkable faith. It's that bright ray of sunshine. He doesn't understand what is happening to him. He doesn't know why God has become his enemy. He's confused as to why God would fire all his arrows at him. Yet, despite these things, even if God should slay him, yet Job will trust in him. Now, who can say that? Only one who has absolute confidence in the character of God. Job could completely surrender his life into the hand of the Almighty. Can you do that? Have you done that? Have you really taken your hands off the controls of your life and trusted God to work out his will in your life and in the lives of those around you? Or are you still trying to help God out? Are you trying to advise him on how he should handle things? Do you find fault with the lot he has given you or the people he's put in your life? Or do you trust that he has your best purpose in mind? Satan said that if God took everything away from Job and struck his physical body, that Job would curse God to his face. But Job proved here to be the faithful man that God declared him to be. None of these things would ultimately shake Job's faith in his God. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation. For a hypocrite could not come before him. Job knew that he had been blameless. He wasn't a hypocrite. He had integrity. Therefore, he had confidence before God. Job knew that he could make his defense and that God would ultimately save him. How crucial it is for each of us to have such confidence before the Lord. When we sin, it undermines our confidence. It troubles our conscience. But when we obey God's commandments, then we have confidence before him. This is the point that the Apostle John makes in his first epistle. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 
For this reason, we aim to keep a pure conscience. And if we sin, we confess our sins because we want to keep short accounts with God and let no debt remain outstanding. So let nothing rob you of this confidence before God. Verse 17, listen carefully to my speech and to my declaration with your ears. See now, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be vindicated. Who is he who will contend with me? If now I hold my tongue, I perish. Job longs for his day in court with God. If only God would appear before him to hear his complaint. And so, as a skillful attorney, Job has prepared his case, and he he knows that he will be vindicated before God who knows everything. But if Job holds his tongue now, then he knows he will die. He has few days left. So, what does he have to lose to stand before God and plead his case? Only two things. Do not do to me. Then I will not hide myself from you. Withdraw your hand far from me, and let not the dread of you make me afraid. Then call, and I will answer, or let me speak. Then you respond to me. Before Job would appear before God, he asked for two things. First, that God would withdraw his hand of judgment from him. Job couldn't take it anymore. He was afraid of more arrows piercing his flesh. And everything in his flesh wanted to turn and run away from God. Only his faith gave him the courage to heed God's call and stand before him. But Job didn't think he could take any more suffering. How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me know my transgression and my sin. The second thing Job wanted from God was that God would reveal to him his transgression and sin. Job thought that he had been blameless before God. He had been the same way on the inside as he had been on the outside, but he also knew himself well enough to know that he wasn't sinless. Why would God bring so much disaster on him and not show him what he had done wrong? It seemed that God had turned his face away from him. But why? Why do you hide your face and regard me as your enemy? This was the most disturbing thing of all to Job. Why did God now regard him as his enemy? But this foreshadowed what David would later write and what Jesus would quote from the cross. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Verse 25, will you frighten a leaf driven to and fro? And will you pursue dry stubble? For you write bitter things against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. You put my feet in the stocks and watch closely all my paths. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. Job pictured himself here as a dried up leaf driven by the wind. He was dry stubble or straw. God had kept accurate records of all his sins since his youth. And now God was punishing him for all of them, or so it seemed. Job's feet were in the stocks. He couldn't move because God had fenced him in. Chapter 14. 
Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. No matter how long a person lives, it's easy to think that few and hard are our days. Man is born for trouble in this fallen world, and he passes by swiftly like a flower or a shadow. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me to judgment with yourself? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you. You have appointed his limits so that he cannot pass. Job felt that God had searched him out and brought him into judgment, but how could God expect to bring the clean out of the unclean? Job knew that before a holy God, we are all unclean. Thus, God's scrutiny of him, his special concern over him, seemed unfair. But what could Job do about it? He was like a prisoner awaiting his final day in court. Look away from him that he may rest till, like a hired man, he finishes his day. This is now the second time Job has, in effect, said to God, Leave me alone and let me die. For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease, though its root may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. But man dies and is laid away. Indeed, he breathes his last, and where is he? As water disappears from the sea, and a river becomes parched and dries up, so man lies down and does not rise. Till the heavens are no more, they will not awake nor be roused from their sleep. A tree that is cut down still has hope, as long as the roots are there, that it can sprout again and return to its former place, but not so with man. Once he is cut down, he rises no more. He is asleep and won't return till the heavens are no more. Now, Job is speaking of things that he doesn't know anything about. He is crying out in the agony of his spirit. Later, God questions Job and says, Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? You see, some people have used Job's words here to form the doctrine of soul sleep. But that is contrary to what Jesus taught about the afterlife. Job was talking about things that he guessed at but didn't know. And God would later rebuke him for darkening counsel with words without knowledge. Oh, that you would hide me in the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait till my change comes. You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. For now you number my steps, but do not watch over my sin. My transgression is sealed up in a bag, and you cover my iniquity. Job returns here to his desire that God will simply 
take his life and hide him in the grave. And even though Job has said that man lies down and does not rise, yet here he hints at the possibility of a resurrection. If a man dies, shall he live again? I will wait till my change comes. You will call and I will answer you. Job desired that all of his sins would be sealed up in a bag like a garbage sack and that God would cover them all or throw them away into the dumpster, never to be remembered again. How this anticipated the atonement of the cross, where God has covered our transgressions with the blood of Jesus Christ and remembers them no more. But as a mountain falls and crumbles away, and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones, and as torrents wash away the soil of the earth, so you destroy the hope of man. You prevail forever against him, and he passes on. You change his countenance and send him away. His sons come to honor, and he does not know it. They are brought low, and he does not perceive it. But his flesh will be in pain over it, and his soul will mourn over it. Finally, Job pictures a man as being like a mountain that erodes and is moved from its place. So all of man's hopes ultimately crumble. Man passes on from this life and is unaware of what happens to his children after him. But God remains forever. Job ends this long speech in a low note of despondency. Now, as I said, like a cloudy day where occasionally the clouds part and a ray of sunshine beams forth, so Job occasionally breaks through the darkness of his despondency with occasional rays of faith and hope. All of this anticipating the gloomy darkness of the cross and the glorious hope of the resurrection. But we have so much more hope than Job because we have so many more promises in which we can believe. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Eliphaz accuses Job of being full of wind and thinking that he knows more than they do. He instructs Job on the final end of the wicked. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.